Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Listen, all you New Yorkers. Hello. I hope no one's eating dinner. Something like that. What's up, everybody? It's 10 o'clock on Monday night, which means it's time for the next best thing. Dear Jesus. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, and I'll be with you for the next two hours. Well, get ready. Don't go anywhere. We have a great, 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 great show lined up for you tonight. I can't even contain myself. But before we get to any of that, we'd like to kick the show off by doing what we always do, and that is review all of the great and the not-so-great things that have happened on... This Day in History. Today is August 6th, and on this day in history, in 1945, the American B-29 bomber known as the Enola Gay dropped the first atomic bomb on an inhabited area. It was named Little Boy and was dropped over the center of Hiroshima, Japan. An estimated 140,000 people were killed. Today was the day. On this day in 1952, Satchel Paige at age 46 became the oldest pitcher to complete a Major League Baseball game. On this day in 1997, Apple Computer and Microsoft agreed to share technology in a deal giving Microsoft a stake in Apple's survival. Enemies become friends. And lastly, on this day in 1998, former White House intern Monica Lewinsky spent eight and a half hours testifying before a grand jury about her relationship with President Bill Clinton. Isn't that great? Isn't life great? Isn't everything great? Isn't killing time great? Because that's what I'm doing. This is too long. This is way too long. But... Okay, so... That's what happened on this day in history. And who knows? Perhaps we'll make history right here tonight on Radio Free Brooklyn and be studied for years to come. But who are we kidding? Probably not. You're listening to The Next Best Thing. I'm Jonathan B. Lerner. Stay tuned or I'll haunt you in your dreams. Holy sweet mother of God, it is 10 o'clock on a Monday night, so you know what that means. Is it time for your favorite show ever? No! But it is time for the next best thing. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, keeping you company every Monday night from 10 until midnight right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Can you hear me? One second. Testing. One, two, three. Are we on? Great. Anywho, before we get into what's going on in the news, what's going on in the world, let's do the housekeeping that we always have to take care of. Let's just get it out of the way right off the top. We do ask you to remember that we are fully listener and producer supported. If you like what you hear on Radio Free Brooklyn, if you like what you hear tonight, please consider going to our website, going to this show's page, and donating a little something-something to keep us in business. If you like what you hear tonight, well, a donation could ensure that you will get to hear more next week and the weeks after that. Uh, if you feel so inclined, you can go to rfb.nyc slash nbt. Again, that's rfb.nyc slash nbt. Oh, man, that was exhausting, wasn't it? It was for me. I'm sure it was for you, too. So, that's all the housekeeping I can think of right now. If I've forgotten anything... Nobody cares. Nobody cares. 
nobody cares. Good. Tonight, I am excited to say that I'm going to be joined by James Higgins. Now, James Higgins, I've mentioned on this show a time or two. He was the accompanist, the pianist who played for our Night of Dreams last May. He stepped in at the relatively last minute and literally saved that show. We truly could not have done that show without him. And he did it masterfully. And he, I'd worked with him before, and he was masterful the first time. So I'm excited to welcome him in tonight. He's going to be talking about the show he's currently working on called Me the People Fire and Fury Edition. <laughs> it's a great musical dinner theater piece, and I had the opportunity to see it. I was going to say a week ago, but it's not quite been a week. I saw it last Tuesday at the Lori Beachman Theater, which is in the basement of... The West Bank Cafe on um, in Midtown. So anyway, yeah, James will be coming in a little later on. Before that, though, I just, if you don't mind, uh, humor me a minute. I have, I just have to talk about something. So as I've mentioned a number of times on this show, I went home to Kansas City a few weeks ago to attend a big, big birthday bash that was being thrown for my mom. It was being thrown at our farm which is something she has always wanted. I mean, she's been talking about having a big party at our farm for many years. It's never happened because we live in Kansas City, and the farm is in Montrose, Missouri. What? Montrose, Missouri. Now, it's about an hour and a half. Half or an hour and a 45-minute drive. But that's really not the problem. The problem is this farm of ours is truly in the middle of nowhere and it's hard to get people to go across the street not to mention an hour and 45 minutes into the wild but it was planned it happened it was brilliant so i go home and literally the day before the party an aunt of mine asked me if i would give the toast now at first i was a little confused by that i i thought this isn't a wedding I'm not the best man. The hell are you talking about? A toast. Are you drunk? But, all right. Then I kind of felt like maybe, and I do actually believe this to be true, I think maybe that was my aunt's way of trying to kind of make me feel included, to be honest with you. Hey, youngest of five, I appreciate it. But honestly, like, I, you know, just kind of make me feel like I had a role to play since literally all of the planning and actual work for that party was done by my siblings and other family members way before I ever arrived. And I felt kind of bad about that. But hey, what can you do? I live thousands of miles away. Anyway, so sure. I mean, I wasn't going to be like a toast. Fuck that. I said, of course. And, uh, you know, I I think I took an hour or so to go like sit in a park and jot down some notes, just some things I wanted to make sure and say. I took those notes with me to the farm and did some editing on the spot and then when the time came, I gave a little speech honoring my mom, and that was that. I mean, that was it. I didn't, I didn't actually use my notes because I could remember the three to five things I had planned out to say. But the, I mean, the whole speech took me maybe a minute and a half tops. So I did it. Great, it was over. Afterwards, I, I was honestly, I was pleasantly surprised, but more than that, I was kind of dumbfounded by the responses I was getting. I mean, this was a minute and a half tops long little speech. And I was like, okay, if anything, people are going to be like, what is this crap? But people I didn't even know were coming up to me telling me it made them cry. Some people were saying they appreciated me saying 
this one thing or that thing or whatever. Most importantly, obviously, my mom loved it. And maybe for the third time in my life was effusive with her praise. Third is pushing it, maybe two and a half. Anyway, I was happy the speech was such a hit, but I, I didn't really understand why. You know, there hadn't been much to it, you know? And I'm not just saying that to be like, yeah, so I'm a great speech giver and moving right along here. No, this past weekend, I worked a wedding up in rural Massachusetts. And when I say rural, rural, I can I hate that word, R-U-R-A-L, rural, rural, Massachusetts, I mean rural. I mean, a very rich family basically built an entire complex out in the woods for this one event. And when it came time for toasts, the maid of honor, who was the bride's older sister, spoke for over half an hour. Excuse me? Half an hour. I wish I was exaggerating, but this woman gave a speech at a wedding reception that lasted over half an hour. Right? That your, it doesn't matter what you said. Your speech is awful. Okay, so it lasted over half an hour. Don't get me wrong because this is important. I do appreciate the fact that she obviously spent a lot of time writing and thinking about the speech. I know she wrote it because she took it up there with her all 25 pages or whatever. But here's the thing. And I know it's going to sound like I'm just being a bitch here, but I'm I'm not because I don't know these people. So I really don't care one way or the other. As a neutral observer, I can tell you this. She made at least, and I mean at least, 11 excruciatingly unfunny jokes and or comments. She rambled on about probably six stories that didn't need to be told and that no one really understood because they were inside joke stories. And she repeated herself multiple times. I mean, she kept talking about, I mean, this is going to sound really callous and cold, but their family, I get, I, they lost their dad 10 years ago. And the sister, the maid of honor, in her speech, she kept talking about losing their mojo. I lost my mojo. Mom certainly lost her mojo. And, and you, sweetie, you lost your mojo. And we got to get our mojo back. And you know, marriage mojo is different than life mojo. I was like, for God's sake, shut up. If she says the word mojo one more time, I'm going to kick her right in the vagina. <laughs> Seriously. We get it. Mojo. 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 It was a, it was painful. I mean, truly painful. It was like every time it felt like it was wrapping up, she would dive into some other anecdote that was like, oh, it was, it was horrible. So that got me thinking back to my little speech. And I think I get it now. My speech was such a hit because it was a minute and a half long tops. No one, you know, this girl spoke for over half an hour. No one remembers anything she said. All they remember is that she spoke for over half an hour. Above all, folks, remember this. Remember this for the first, next, perhaps the last time you have to give a speech for one reason or another. No one has ever said, no audience member has ever said, you know what? That speech, it just wasn't quite long enough. I'm probably one of the most long-winded human beings alive. Trust me. I mean, here's an example right here now. But when it comes to speeches or when it comes to emceeing events, take note, Oscar hosts, less is more. No one's there to see you. No one is like excited about these MC breaks. 
make them short, make them sweet, and get on with it. Say what you got to say and move along here. Speaking of which, moving right along. It's official, folks. Apple, Facebook, and YouTube all have banned Alex Jones. You might know him as the loud, fat, red-faced lunatic who insists that Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama are actual, real-life demons who came from hell and smell of sulfur. What? He's currently facing five separate defamation lawsuits, and he's been accused of knowingly spreading false information about the majority, uh, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting this year, the violence in Charlottesville, Virginia last year, and the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in 2012. Now, I can't even talk about that because what he does regarding Sandy Hook will make me want to. Will make me want to reach through this microphone and smack you in the mouth. Just makes me so angry. Three of those defamation cases brought against Alex Jones have been filed by families of Sandy Hook victims. Okay. So yesterday, YouTube, Apple, Facebook, Spotify, and other tech platforms removed main outlets for Jones and his InfoWars website, citing repeated violations of policies against hate speech and glorifying violence. InfoWars naturally responded by accusing the companies of censorship. Apple does not tolerate hate speech, the company said in a statement. We believe in representing a wide range of views so long as people are respectful to those with differing opinions. So YouTube and Facebook had previously warned Jones and Infowars that they were accumulating strikes, which is number of times he's been flagged for violating the service's community standards. Early today, Facebook announced that it had permanently, permanently removed four Alex Jones-related pages, the Alex Jones channel page, the Alex Jones page, the Infowars page, and the Info Nightly News page, Infowars Nightly News page. Quote, we believe in giving people a voice, but we also want everyone using Facebook to feel safe, the company said in their own statement. It's why we have community standards and remove anything that violates them, including hate speech that attacks or dehumanizes others. So these bans and deletions come as big tech companies have faced intense scrutiny and criticism over their role in the spread of bogus news stories and the incitement of hatred. You know, this is tough because... You know, we I did a whole show called How to Debate. You can find it on the podcast page about free speech. And do I think there should be limits on speech? The answer is no. I, In my opinion, I don't think there should be limits on free speech. But there are existing laws. There already, I mean, you. when I say there shouldn't be limits on free speech, what I mean is people should be able to say what they want to say. And they are. But there are consequences. This is one of them. He's not going to jail, but he has violated these companies' policies. And you can't threaten people. I mean, like, look, we all have freedom of speech, but if I call someone up and say, look, you're going to die tomorrow at 3 p.m., I'll see you then. That's illegal. That's called, that's a threat. That is a blatant threat. That's illegal. (laughs) And I could go to jail for that. He is spouting nonsense, telling, you know, exploiting families, mourning families. Like, and 
he's doing everything they've said multiple times they gave him warnings and all that shit okay so i don't feel badly for him and frankly he still has a website he's been telling everyone to go for it he's still on twitter he'll be just fine i think we will be better off without that puffed up crow's cock moving right along mojo well hi there you're listening to the next best thing don't change the channel because everything else is even worse Let's knock on a random door and see who we might see! It's Vice President Mike Pease! I'm sorry, I didn't ask for any more towels. Oh, no, no, sir, I am not here with towels. I am here with your gift certificate to Celino and Barnes, should you need representation in front of a graduate. <laughs> May I come in? Oh, no, I make it a policy never to be alone with a woman unless she's my wife. Oh, yes, yes. Well, perhaps you will say a few words to our audience. Oh, well, I could do that. Maybe you can tell them a little bit about yourself. Hmm. I'm a colorless pole, a born-again Christian, and I know that Jesus listens when I pray. Flash, bam, alakazam, I can fix you if you're gay. If a fella likes guys, that is from Me the People, Fire and Fury Edition. I'm joined by James Higgins. He's a music director, pianist, arranger, and sound designer with 30 years of international experience, originally from the great land of Canada. James, thanks so much for coming in tonight. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you, Jonathan. So, the original version, it was still Me the People, and it was still about Trump? Yes, absolutely. We, um, right after Inauguration Day, Nancy Holson, our writer... Uh, decided she needed to do something, and she had um, many years of political uh, satire experience. Um, she actually wrote a show uh, during the Bush years called The Bush Wars, when we thought those were the end times, right? Um, and how, how innocent they look now. right? Um, and she decided she needed something to do. Um, she needed to say something, and she needed to, to resist. So um, in... January of 2017, I got a call from her. I'd done several shows with her before, and I was on board. Um, we opened at the Triad Theater um, in May mm-hmm. of that year, May or June, and we did a couple of shows, and we took a month off to kind of retool things, and things moved so quickly in this environment that, right. of course, you know, the the show that we had done in March was, you know, 80% different from the show that we presented in May of that year. Well, right. So he's only been in office, you know, a year, almost not two years. So what what was the impetus to be like, oh, we got to write a new version because shit's gone crazy, well, <laughs> even think, crazier. Well, I think that's what it is, is that, you know, we, we had a very successful run uh, last summer and fall and, um, and, and, Things are, you know, continuing to explode yep. and and burn, um, and we we felt that the, the time was right to to bring it back. Um, now, I so this show is, I think, it's very accurately described as kind of kind of a combination of SNL and Forbidden Broadway. And yeah. For people who don't, you know, if they're not versed in Broadway musical theater lingo, can you describe what Forbidden Broadway? is? Forbidden Broadway takes. Broadway songs and writes parody lyrics to them, but they always have to do with the show they're parodying. So, you know, I mean, they've, they've over the, the course of 30 years, they've parodied almost everything that's been on Broadway. Um, you know, when 
there was a revival of Sweeney Todd with like four people in the orchestra and a cast of ten, and they called they parodied it as Teeny Todd, for example. Um, so funny. I mean, they're all you know. Oh, no, good it's, humor. it's very yeah. very funny. I mean, right. you know, it's <laughs> I'm not describing. <laughs> well, no, it well, no, yeah, but but, but it's kind of like. So they are, it's a comedic takes on a very beloved, not just shows, but also performers. Like they, Oh yeah, know. there's like a Liza Minnelli one, you know, Liza one note with no vibrato. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you guys have everything, you guys use all sorts of, there's like pop songs with new lyrics. We do pop songs, you know, pop songs, Broadway songs, you know, and depending on the context too, because a lot of, a lot of familiar melodies will, will ring true because of their context too. So, you know, for example, we take, um, the um, the Sam Cooke song, the What a Wonderful World It Would Be. You know, don't know much about history, don't know much biology, and we have Betsy DeVos saying right. that. That was one, yeah. yeah, that was great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, it's funny, because in the original version, we had a longer Betsy DeVos section, but she's sort of sort of gone undercover a little bit more than <laughs> than she was originally. So we, we had a whole song devoted to Betsy DeVos, and, you know, now we've got like a minute-long segment, but um, which is basically encapsulates everything we said in a five-minute song. But the one thing I am sad is that we lost, I think, one of the great rhymes of the English language, where um, Nancy rhymed Betsy DeVos with Christian Christian Madras. Oh, nice! So wow. I'm sad to have lost that's, that. Yeah, lyric. that's too bad. So we take we take um, songs that pretty much everyone knows and write parody lyrics to them. And you guys, in its documenting. The whole Trump experience. Yeah, well, yes. So um, who shows up in the show? Well, who shows up in the show? Um, basically, everybody but Trump. And That's we true. did that very purposefully because we thought, what a what a bigger middle what a bigger middle finger to give to someone than not to have them appear at all in a show. Well, please, he's them. everywhere else. So you know, Rex Tillerson shows up and um, Jeff Sessions with a giant ears. Um, Betsy DeVos, um, Jared and Ivanka have this long extended number um, where Jared goes to various countries and tries to save the world by building um, hotels. Right, like he's really trying to do. <laughs> exactly. I mean. And Ivanka just um, goes to charity auctions and sells her dress for $10 million. Right. right. Now, how did you, when you guys held auditions... Did you have them do impersonations or like, did that, you know what I mean? Well, it depends. I mean, you know, we were, we asked for a comedy song and we didn't necessarily need a comedy song, but we wanted people to be funny Mm -hmm. and crazy and loony because it's, it's a tremendously high energy show. You know, people, I mean, we have in this tiny little space, we have like 75 wigs and, and costume changes and props. And so it's, it's lightning fast. Right. Um, so we needed people with high energy, mm-hmm. but who were also um, smart and politically astute. So people came in and they sang. Now, how would you have known if they were politically astute? From the well, I mean, Nancy, who is the writer, and um, Nancy Holson, who's the writer, and David Regano, who's the director, we'd ask them questions. And, oh, yeah? you know, in our audition notice as well, we were like, you know, we're doing the show. There's not a lot of money involved, but but it'll be a great time and it'll be a chance to resist. So we're looking for resistors. We're looking for, we're, we're looking for politically aware people who want to be able to do something other than, you know, sit at home and cry. Be angry. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So talk about that a little bit. Cause it is, you guys, and at the end of the show, 
one of the performers actually talks about, you know, getting in touch and how people can resist. So you guys don't just think of this as like a funny parody show. You guys are looking at this as a a way to spread spread information and also join the movement, the resistance movement. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's I won't say that it's hard to be funny. But it's, you know, you, it's it's like we have to laugh in order not to scream. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is this is what we're doing to fight, right. you know. So it isn't it isn't just entertainment, you know, although we, you know, pe- it is a very entertaining mm-hmm. show, yeah. I think. I mean, we had a remarkable group of people audition and, you know, I think the the cast that we've chosen are are remarkably talented, they're smart, they're funny. Um, and it's been it was a joyous rehearsal process. I mean, I will say that it was just so much fun to be in that room every day for two weeks. And you did both versions. I did both versions. So, what, so did you know? Was there any point um, after the first version, and when you knew you were going to do the second, when you considered just contacting the same people? Oh, no, no, we we had contacted the same people. In fact, there are two people in this present cast oh, who you. were um, who were in the previous cast. Um. And our stage manager is the same. We, the original director, um, we asked him to come back, but he wasn't. He didn't fit into his schedule. Um, but he came and saw the show the other day, and it was lovely to see him. Um, and you know, some of some of his, I will say, some of the the new version has elements from the old version. Sure, exactly. Um, just because there are things that are still relevant, but the, the, there are so many things that are so many people that have just been fired or have quit that you know played a, a big part in the previous incarnation that just aren't around anymore but speaking of which so you guys do a number where you literally it's like a timeline you go through each big yep. monument monumental thing to happen and the funny thing about that is and because you were just talking about how so many people come go quick get fired it's it's unbelievable i mean like even just doing this show sometimes i will have to go listen to previous shows just so i make sure i remember certain things that have happened because so many, it's like any one of the past, oh, 79 things that have happened in this administration would have been unforgettable and probably detrimental to another well, administration. Well, I mean, you know, let, it, let us forget that 20-some-odd years ago, Howard Dean's presidential campaign wow. was was derailed because he yelled loud. Oh. And it wasn't even that, yeah. you know, and it was because the clip that they used was from a live feed from his mic. So we didn't hear the crowd yelling. You mean this? Yeah. <laughs> that ended his presidential run. <laughs> that ended run. his presidential run. That, like, that's funny. And like, that's kind of crazy. That, But like, I mean, I'm talking about like Mitt Romney, the 47% comment. Oh, that and honestly, I remember in 2012 thinking that I was, abs- I can't believe he said that. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, first of all, that's an opinion. And it's a bad one. But for God's sakes, I mean, like shit old countries and all that stuff. I mean, his that really damaged him. Deplorables, really. I mean, then again, they would latch on anything, but that was something they really, that was a one word that they really latched on to. He says horrible things every day. All the time. Every time Several he, times every day. tweet. And it's like, it just, that's what, it, what, I was telling someone just this last weekend, it's like, it's hard for me to even talk about this stuff or hear other people talk about it, really. Because when they say stuff like, well, you know, we're so dumb, we elected him, I just get angry because I'm like, did we? <laughs> like, that's the thing, did we? Well, A, three million fewer votes, and with all this Russia stuff that, you know, it really chaps me to hear Democrats being like, we know it didn't change the outcome. I don't know that. 
Well, we don't know that. I mean, we we might never know that. And they should stop saying that. I mean, yes. like, there's so this guy. There's nothing moral or ethical about him. So the idea that, like, you know, well, he wouldn't collude. He's too dumb to collude. You know what? All that shit, it pisses me off. The man is not stupid. Trust me. I'm like a smart person. I mean, he knows. Yeah, he's I, a diabolical genius. I think he knows. Well, no, exactly. You know, he's like Lex Luthor. Yeah. Um, he's probably bald, too. Well, I was going to say, he's not. I don't think he's um. I mean, he's not like smart like Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, mm, smart, no. but he is, he's media genius. I mean, Absolutely. what he's able to, the way he's able to manipulate, forgive me, but dumb people in large groups. They'll do what I tell them to do. Sorry, but if you, it's like when he says I could go on Fifth Avenue, shoot someone and not lose voters, that's an insult to you. He's well, saying no, exactly. you're stupid but, enough. you know, in this country, and, you know, <laughs> I've lived here long enough. How and, long? Um, yeah, because you're, like I said, you're originally from I, Canada. I'm originally from yeah. Canada. My father um, is an American citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a dual citizenship. Um, so lest you think that I'm here illegally or something. <laughs> yeah, um, deported. No, my father was a draft dodger. So um, like and, Trump. Like <laughs> no, not like <laughs> Trump. My father is a moral and oh, right. um, ethical. And he probably had a real. He had a real reason to yeah. dodge the draft. He didn't want to kill people. He right. didn't believe in killing. Um, so he came to Canada in the '60s. I was born sometime after that, and. Um, and um, I claimed claimed my citizenship in '96. Nice. So, um, but I've lived basically in the United States since 2002, mm-hmm. um, and I haven't lived in Canada since then. So, do you I, ever think about going back lately? God, I got an escape plan. <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, really? <laughs> you know, it's 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 funny though. You know, because I've chosen to live here, and I think, yeah, I mean, I think if I were back in Canada, I would. I would, I'd probably be a bit more relaxed a lot of the time. You yeah. know, like I have this low level, this low level anxiety Boy. constantly. And that's another, that's another thing that probably makes me angry. So to come back to the show, <laughs> you said that, you said that, you know, not that it's hard to be funny. It's because, like, and I, you know, every week we, I make jokes about stuff, but like, but like I do find, like, when I start thinking about like how, election night 2008 i remember you know being in college and like i have photos of us like with champagne and like so excited and it was such a historic night and everything looked so bright and honestly i also i remember on that night in particular it really felt like people were united and at least being excited for a historic thing we were we were excited for a positive reason and there was you know, it, it was, was a historic thing you know what i mean oh, absolutely like, i was on a cruise ship in australia i was working on cruise ships at the time and um I got a bottle of champagne, I got fresh orange juice and pastries, and I invited um, all the Americans I knew that were on board up to my cabin um, to watch it on, on CNN live. And it was in the speech? It was. We were, we were like sobbing. My fa- There's a video, I think, of my father doing his Obama happy dance. Wow. Yeah. And I was a Hillary supporter, and it, I remember thinking like, it's funny because it sounds crazy now, but I remember like when when she didn't get the nomination, it was like, oh, I was so disappointed. But not that night. I mean, are you no. kidding me? Like not that night. I mean, you know, I've. It is different though. I mean, that's the thing. Everything's different. Twenty sixteen. You know, like the Bernie people never really got behind Hillary. No. So many things. Just that's what. And it's like we it makes me mad. That, we address that in the show. Too, I know, though. and I love that because um, I get in trouble. I get you know people give me shit for being annoyed by all that. You know. It's just the truth. Canada has a four-party system in that we have the three main 
national parties, the mm-hmm. Liberal Party, which Justin Trudeau is, is the head of and the Prime Minister, the Conservative Party, and the National Democratic Party, the, the NDP, um, who is they're the left of center party. So um, wait, so they're the left of center. What is Justin Trudeau's party? Oh, they're very centrist. You see, the thing like is, Hil- is that Hillary and Obama would be considered... Centrist, right? Even in a lot of really? places. I mean, you know, if you, you know, I mean, I loved Obama. They were the Obamas were grace and intelligence and dignity, but you know, there were still the drones attacking people. You well, know. and there was still gun violence. There was going still gun crazy. violence, and I know and that he couldn't do anything after, you know, with the Senate and Congress. But he did have two years there. Absolutely, you know, and it's. He's a community organizer. He thought that he could get people from both sides, which is not horrible. You know, no, it's yeah, not. It's but nice. It, but in this in this political climate, it just wasn't possible because you had the Republican Party, whose sole purpose became See, became. That's a thing. Yeah, I remember on election night two thousand eight. I actually remember thinking because I, you know, the news was Obama wins and the Senate and Congress are blue. And I remember actually thinking to myself, and it's just it's kind of like kind of hard to comprehend now i remember thinking as like a 19 year old well i don't know if that's a good thing you know maybe maybe it'd be good to have one republican thing because then because of working together i like the idea of having now i mean it's like (laughs) fuck them i mean we can say fuck yeah yeah i mean yeah no because no (laughs) really like because of all they're doing and now all they did during obama's administration to ruin things and stop them from doing anything like appointing Merrick Garland or you know or or the American Health Care Act I mean you know it's it's a shell of what it was yeah you know and it was but but that was exposed I mean like yeah yeah, it was a huge compromise but that was exposed they spent seven years chanting repeal and replace couldn't do it you know it's funny we had a we have a song in the show (laughs) right yeah what that one's called um it's called I think it's called repeal replace don't we have um We've got a clip. Yeah, let's play it. <laughs> it's, it's like you're David Letterman. We have a clip. Okay, so this is called um, Repeal, Repeal Replace, right? Yes. Straight up from Me, the People, Fire and Fury edition. Uh, edition. We are here today to keep our promise to the American people and dismantle the abomination that is Obamacare. What a bungle. A mighty bungle. But Paul Ryan speaks tonight. (laughs) What a bungle. A mighty bungle. We'll try and get it right. insurance benefits. <laughs> Start over. Oh, sorry. I mean, if we're going to improve insurance plans, what's going to become of us? I mean, I need my monthly shot of Botox. I need my Viagra prescription. My teenager needs psychotherapy. All teenagers need psychotherapy. I'm scheduled for massage therapy on Tuesdays at Bangkok Betty Spa for men. It's a medical condition. Okay. Hey, 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 hey,
Repeal Replace Repeal Replace From Me the People Fire and Fury Edition Playing now at the Laurie Beachman Theater Which is in the basement of Of the uh, West, West Bank. Bank Cafe On the corner of 42nd and 9th Now I will Full disclaimer mm-hmm. We have six cast members The previous incarnation had four We have six Because we're also trying to get Um See if they're we want to get hired by like fundraisers and stuff by democratic fundraisers for us to come and do a you know a version of the mm-hmm. show. And if we can't get everyone on stage at or to be able to go at the same time, right. we want to be able to have a malleable kind of show. Um, we 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 really try to keep the show current, and there are several ways that we do that without making like giant changes. And one of them is one of the characters is the Twitter bird. And she comes out dressed as the Twitter oh, yeah. bird and sings uh, "Rock and Robin," you know. The but to you know, every time the Donald goes tweet, tweet, tweet. There's the Donald tweet, tweet, tweet. <laughs> and she comes out three times, and during during an instrumental break, she reads what we call the tweet du jour. Mm-hmm. So whatever crazy thing Donald Trump has tweeted that day or the day before, we include in the show. So people go, "Oh my God, the show's so current!" And you know, I mean. We we try to keep up. There's this huge number, which we were sort of talking about before, where it's like 30 minutes of snippets that starts on day one mm-hmm. of Trump's inauguration with Kellyanne Clarkson. Conway. Um, Kelly, Clarkson. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> yeah. She's that would be awesome. <laughs> Kellyanne Conway. You know, talking about fake news and and you know, saying this, there was two hundred, there were you know two hundred thousand, no three hundred thousand, no six hundred thousand in the crowd, and then we talked about the massacre at Bowling Green, the lies, and you know, sort of day by day, like day two hundred and thirty six, you know, Sheriff Joe Arpaio is right. pardoned, and day, so we're at like day five hundred and something, and since the show opened, you know, two weeks ago, um, that's fourteen extra days, mm-hmm. right, and so tomorrow we're adding another snippet at the end of of that number um that has yet to be written so i'll get the lyrics and i'll whip out an arrangement and at we're meeting at three in the afternoon um and we'll go over it wow. and then we'll so this i mean it is uh because i mean especially for you guys because you're basically i mean you're on stage all the time and you do sing and you so you're basically a cast member as well. yeah so there are six of us on stage so i'm um, I have the one I do do a um, recurring character, and it's the um, the piano bar um, at the Trump International oh, Hotel. Yes. That's right. You know, so it's always playing the girl from Ipanema, which is the ultimate piano bar song. Right. Um, and various um, various political figures come in. So uh, the well, not even actually, the first one is Sigmund Freud, oh, yeah. um, who comes into my bar and reads all these tweets, and then um, sings a parody of. Patsy Klein's crazy, mm-hmm. um, talking about how Donald Trump is crazy, um, and then a little while later, uh, the Statue of Liberty comes into my bar and she sings "I Will Survive," <laughs> um, and then near the end of the show, um, on the third, <laughs> the third iteration, uh, Richard Nixon comes in yeah. and sings some advice to Donald Trump using "My Way" by Frank Sinatra. Because people have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. <laughs> so, speaking of Richard Nixon and history, you mentioned that Got you a were kill for Nixon right now. Well, you mentioned that you, you know, were always kind of political. I mean, back in the Reagan days and whatnot. Does it? So, I've had people in here, for example, the Gregory brothers, who their whole career is making. They they started auto tune the news, which was basically yeah. 
And, and I asked them, this was around the holidays, but I asked them, you know, is it hard for you guys? One of their pieces that they did was um, right before the election, it was Weird Al Yankovic uh, doing, he was the debate moderator between Hillary and Donald. And I loved it. I thought it was real catchy, really yeah, funny. It was awesome. <laughs> and I, after the election, I can't really listen to it anymore because it depresses me. And I, and I asked them, I was like, is it hard for you guys? Because I did notice their content started kind of, kind of slowing. Quality wasn't changing, but it was just not as frequent. And I was like, is it hard to do these songs when you are, when the truth about what's going on is so dire? I mean, like when you stop and really think about what's happening, it is crazy, but it's also like, oh my it's God. It's I mean, fucking depressing. The, and the, <laughs> fact, the fact that like Republicans are just so worthless, like they're truly, because in fact, I, I'm going to play this. So um, uh, <laughs> Carl Bernstein was on CNN recently and Wolf Blitzer straight up asked him, because no, Carl. For those who don't know, Carl Bernstein was one of the, the members, of, reporters, yeah, yeah. Uh, Woodward and Bernstein, who basically followed the story, kept following the story, and basically were the impetus for why Watergate was exposed, like it was. And he has not been. I mean, he's been on CNN a bit throughout, and he has not been. I mean, he's been real about it. He's like, you know, this is just as bad and maybe worse. And so here he is being asked about it. Was President Nixon? Uh, when you and Bob Woodward were working on the Watergate-related stories, was he as anxious publicly uh, during your reporting as we now see this president uh, being very anxious, being deeply concerned about the Mueller probe? First, I think what we're seeing is more than anxiety on the part of Donald Trump. We are seeing a president who is behaving and acting unhinged. Uh, Nixon did not really uh, publicly act unhinged. But I think we need to look at something larger, and that is that in Watergate, the system worked. Uh, the President of the United States did not publicly uh, declare the press an enemy of the people and seek to undermine the First Amendment and the very legitimacy of what the press did, though he did try to make our conduct an issue or the issue in Watergate rather than his own conduct. But really, President Trump has taken the question of the free exercise of the First Amendment and whipped up a kind of hysteria, unlike any other president in our history. But more than that, I think it's time to recognize that what we are watching in the Trump presidency is worse than Watergate. It's worse than Watergate, as I say, because the system worked in Watergate. The heroes of Watergate were Republicans who demanded that the president be held accountable, who demanded that he be transparent, who demanded to know what did the president know and when did he know it, and who conducted by... So, yeah. So that's the thing. So, like, everyone talk, everyone's constantly, and they have been since day one, really, comparing oh, yeah. Nixon to Trump. But, like, you know, we, I think I mentioned this, that we do a show here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, Jarrett Bernstein hosts a show called famous dead people and i did nixon and one of the things that i just kept saying because it was true was i mean like look i may have been a crook but at least i could read i mean like that's the thing he, he knew how the system worked he had been vice president he had been a politician a long time and he did good he did some good things well i think nixon cared about being a politician and nixon cared about doing accomplishing some actual exactly. things you know whereas donald trump and the 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 trump administration has been actively trying to destroy Every, I mean, and like, undermine the, the the system that we've so 
carefully and thoughtfully right. put in place for the past 200 and some odd years. And it's they're fun. letting it happen. That's what I mean. Like, well, they're letting it happen because they know that it will benefit them in the short term. Really? Or they think it'll, well, of course not. You know, I mean, I, I've been saying for years that there's going to be a revolution and it's not going to be pretty. There's going to be blood in the streets. And so we really are, think there's going to be a violent revolution. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we're, we're due for a revolution. I mean, I'm not trying to incite anyone <laughs> to war. Um, you know, but you know, we we're we're due for a revolution. We're due for another group of hippies. We're due for you know, um, like you know, the workers after the Triangle Factory fire. You know, at the beginning mm-hmm. of the last century. You know, like you know, with the beginnings of of, of unions and trade unions in the United States. You know, um, you're losing me. I don't know what you're saying. You know, we're due for that type of revolution. We're due for a revolution that will will change the system for for the good of the people. Um, so you, because you didn't bring up Reagan. Now, Reagan... Oh, you know, I Well, I was going to say, but the thing is, like, so Reagan, a lot of damage was done during his administration that has had really lasting effects. But the thing about it is, when I look at him, I think he was a puppet, and I think he also was losing, I mean, really losing oh, his mind. well, no, I mean, yes, there's a lot of evidence that... But I think he was a, you know, I think he was misguided, but I think he really thought he was being a man of the people. You know, oh, like yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about Reagan is that, you know, he was the first president to openly court the, um, the religious right. Oh, shut up. He was the first president to welcome, um, wel- welcome that faction into American politics. Um, until the 60s, the the fundamentalist Christians weren't interested in politics. They didn't tend to vote. Well, and they weren't, they weren't necessarily taken seriously in politics because uh, we, as we always say, separation of church and state, and that's okay. Right. No, no. You know, they were left alone, which they wanted to be. Right. And, you know, and Jerry Falwell, who had political and financial aspirations of his own and, and had a desire for power, you know, formed the more, uh, when the more majority came to being, they needed, um, they needed a, an issue that they could rally all the fundamentalist Christians around. And that issue became abortion. Um, basically, before that, I don't think fundamentalist Christians thought about it at all. It was it was something that the Catholics thought about. That's a lot of stuff. I mean, like, that's a, the, the issue of guns has been totally oh, perverted. Well, yeah, like I mean, that. you know, everything has yeah. sort of, you well, know. Well, they take it, they take, I mean, like, no one talked about the Second Amendment for a very, very long time. No, because... Because it was, I mean, it was obscure. It was written in the... Well, and gun violence was something that happened in New York and Chicago. Very, you know. yeah. And, very, and it was also, mass shootings weren't nearly as no. prevalent. In fact, they weren't even, you barely heard about them. Now you're seeing multiple ones a year. I mean, not multiple ones a year, multiple ones a month. I mean, yeah. it's like, and we're doing, not only are we not doing anything about it, we're making printable guns. Yeah, oh, I know. Like that's nuts. It's a Twilight Zone thing. Like that's what I mean. Like you know, when <laughs> like when you'd see parodies of SNL of Ronald Reagan or anyone, they were funny because it was like, oh, even like George W. Bush, he was you know terrible. There was there was something about these people at least that, that they thought they were they doing were, good. They thought they were doing it, and there was a bit of humanity to them. You right. know, I mean, I'm I'm not for all of for the. The humanization of George W. Bush now. I mean, like, you know, you see the picture of Michelle Obama from behind yeah. giving a bear hug, and I'm like, come on. Yeah, like, I, I mean, Michelle. I don't know. I don't know. If, <laughs> right. I know. But, <laughs> but like, that's the thing. That, 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 I'm, my whole point here is just making, I want to make so clear that, like, this is in every way, shape, or form different and worse. I mean, oh, like, yeah. 
like there's no real like compared so like when people talk about but then you'd get mike pence or whatever i don't care who we get you have to get him out of here well honestly i mean trump is a trump is a symptom he's not the cause of the disease he's well, not he's being tumor. allowed to run rampant he, well yes but i mean <laughs> it's it's such a it's such a complicated thing you know i mean i, I reagan the reagan government put into motion 38 years ago the the machinery for donald trump the machinery that allowed the construction of this type of president and um what like what well i mean about? you know because when i think i don't the, i don't want to blame the religious right because they're not the only things but, but when i think of the machinery i think of the electoral college oh no no absolutely and there's obviously these things have existed for a long time too long but i mean <laughs> truly too, too. um that's another thing that makes me angry. Yes. I mean, well, past- and it's, you know, it's funny because election reform was a, uh, one of the platform campaigns of Justin Trudeau's, um, wasn't the platform promises of Justin Trudeau's campaign. And it has not come to fruition. Um, mm. You know, the, um, in the parliamentary system is, is, is different than here. Um, um, so, yes, I mean, we don't have to just sort of, every state doesn't have, or every province doesn't have to vote for, put all of its vote into a into one pool and vote for one of the candidates um you know it's it's deeply flawed well but i just because i always like to say this whenever i have a chance to in the past seven presidential elections in the past seven presidential elections the democrats have gotten more votes in six of them yeah i mean the only time Democrats have lost the popular vote was, was in 2004. Was Bush's second election. Right. And it was minuscule. But the fact of the matter is, so Bush shouldn't have gone his first term. Trump, I mean, it's like, so the country as a whole doesn't want these people. Well, I mean, how do we know what a country as a whole wants? Because, because we have well, such a... Well, you add up all the votes? Well, no, but what I mean is that, you know, such a tiny percentage of people, of vote. people vote. That's true. And that's yeah, a I mean, problem. Was it like 50%? Problem. No, not even. No. Is it not even 50%? God. I, I should look it up. But no, it's, it's, it is absurd. It's too bad there's not something called Google that we can Well, I think but that no, no, should, how, what, in Canada, there's no law. It's not required, is it? What? I know in no, Australia. No, no, it's, it's not like Australia. I mean, Australia, I think they've considered... Um, I think there should be like a $10 fine or like a $20 fine because it's nothing but people. It's, an, you know, who, who wants to lose 20 bucks? I think <laughs> people need to vote because it's getting to the point where it's ridiculous. And when this shit is a result... Now, again, the Russians, I don't want to minimize Oh, them. no, no, no. I mean, I don't... There are a lot of problems. I mean, Jer- gerrymandering is gerrymandering? One of a huge issue in voter this country. Voter suppression, voter suppression, gerrymandering. You know, and it's not just voter suppression, but people. You know, courts actively. Um, yeah, because they're Republican. I'm, I'm shooting down and 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 shooting down bills that are meant to aid people to vote because the Republican appointed because these people who it, lose the popular vote get to appoint all these you people. know it's and what they did to Mayor Garland is so outrageous oh no it's ridiculous you know and of course you know it's insane because we'll, it's, we'll it's unprecedented it no I mean it's unprecedented it's you it's know, all happening against us and it's well yes I mean and it's it's hard because yes the system is broken and and everyone's we afraid have, to change it we have because if it changes, the only changes get, that get made there are, two are for t- the Republicans. Right. And the, there are two types of changes that, there, there are two types of huge changes that could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only ways that it can happen is slowly, 
Um, you know, I mean, which is where the Bernie people well, really fucked us over because they well, wanted. Well, and it's not just Bernie. I mean, you look, you know, Jill Stein. Well, fuck her. She was never even. Well, no, no, but I mean, the votes, <laughs> the votes that went to Jill Stein in a yeah. lot of the swing Michigan. states were were equal or bigger than the amount that Donald oh, Trump yeah. won. So if these Jill Stein people had voted for Hillary, there then, was no reason on the God's green party earth <laughs> to vote for Jill Stein. No, and you know where where election reform and. Um, party reform is going to happen is on at the grassroots level. So unfortunately, you have to start slow. You can't just all of a sudden put a Green Party member. Um, but she was a bad candidate. Well, I mean, whatever. Even if she'd been a good candidate, you right, know. I mean, right. we looked at you know, you look at someone like Ross Perot, who. If but she was a doctor who was an anti-vaxxer. Like she was a terrible. She was a, had no business well, taking yeah. votes from anybody. Well, yes. I mean, and so that's and, that's just why it's another kick in the face. You know, but I mean. And this is the problem, is yeah. that candidates are flawed. And we're looking, obviously, as a, as, as liberal-minded, progressive people, we're looking in something, we're looking for something other than what exists now. And, you know, I would, I would love to have a, a, a robust Green Party or a, a social democratic party. Or maybe that, just strip party. I mean, like... Or, <laughs> Well, I mean, like, really, because, like, I have a friend, and I, I'm flabbergasted by this. He's a smart, thoughtful guy. He worked for the New York, uh, like, state Republican something, and he quit the day that Trump got the nomination. However, ever since then, he's been on the show twice. Ever since then, he makes excuses for down-ballot candidates. He still works as a Republican. How can you be on this team? You know what I mean? It's like I can't be on a baseball team. There are nine people on the field. If five of them are, you know, murderers, thieves, and whatever, <laughs> I can't be like, well, I play my position and I'm just, you know, what? I no, you're on this team. Get a new team. You know what I mean? I think so. If they stripped, he's basing it now, and it's sad because I said he's thoughtful and smart. He's basing it purely on red versus blue, and he says that. That's bad. You know, and it's funny because a lot of the old school. This country's moved so far to the right that a lot of what we would have considered old school Republicans in the fifties and sixties wouldn't. No. First of all, they wouldn't recognize the party. Ronald Reagan, even. Well, even Ronald Reagan, you know, well, he even Nixon, even yeah. you know, um, Nixon created the EPA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, to bring it back to your show, one thing <laughs> that, that they had I'm in common is Nixon did hate the press, hated the press, and we in all these tapes that are coming out year by year. You hear it, but he didn't. Act, as Carl Burns, he said he didn't act publicly. And it's funny in in our show at the end, he right. sings um, "My Way" as a sort of a love poem to Donald Trump, and it's this you know admiration. That, you know, it's like Nixon saying, "Oh, I wish I could have done it this way," and you know, but you're doing it your way. I mean, like Nixon must be rolling his grave, being like, "I had to go away for Watergate," <laughs> like, and I like, and you, what has he accomplished? Nothing. But there's a song in the show that's sung by. The I press. should have talked about pussies. Uh, yeah, well, that's true. That. He probably yes, did. Well, I should is, have done it publicly. And you know, this is it. I will say this is this is a song that always kind of tears me apart inside. Because um, is is the freedom of the press song, because it's it's basically four reporters on stage, and one by one they get taken off. So blackmailed, um, blackmailed, and nice deported to Africa. But the, there was this, there's this one sight gag where this one reporter during the instrumental section stands there and this red laser dot appears right. on his chest and he moves to the right and it follows him and 
he moves to the left and it follows him and he goes crazy and he runs off stage. Um, gotcha. Uh, so, so this is from uh, Me, the People, Fire and Fury Edition, which is playing at the Lori Beachman Theater at the West Bank Cafe basement. And I'm talking to James Higgins. He's the musical director and arranger. So this is... Um, we call it Freedom of the Press. Gotcha. Hello, Donald, Arnold, Fred. We've got the scoop on you again. Because a functional democracy could not exist if it did not have me. What the truth is would be anybody's guess without the press. There'd be the sound of silence. We'll tell the truth. Expose your crap. Obama didn't wiretap. The crowd at your inauguration was just another obfuscation. So we will not be silenced. Excuse me. This came for you. Me? Uh, 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 where did you get these photos? <laughs> I was putting myself through college. It was one time. God, I was flexible. <laughs> so we will not be silent. I write a blog We want to see the White House log You surround yourself with secrecy But there are things the public needs to see We demand that you release your tax return Like every president See what you earn And we will not be silenced You built your tax plan for the rich like Robin Hood, but with the switch. You're cutting everything except defense while benefiting from emoluments. And your cabinet, <laughs> all the guys from Goldman Sachs, not paying tax. That's why we won't be silenced. Excuse me, ma'am, these just came for you. Deported to Africa, I am from Cincinnati. But your parents are a doctor and lawyer in Cincinnati. Okay, ma'am, you're being belligerent. We're going to have to take you in. Excuse me, there are several countries in Africa. Can you be specific about where you're taking me to? What are the handles necessary? I work for CNN. That's why I won't be silenced. The White House is in disarray. Your ratings falling every day. You engineer a small diversion, like a Syrian incursion. And the coal miners cheer for you, like you're a god, but you're a fraud. So I will not. All right, so that's from Me, the People, Fire so, and Fury edition. So what happens is, and I will say when whenever we've had press there they've been very appreciative of the song um yeah it's it's sad it's really appreciative but also 
It's funny. It's funny because what happens is it's this one reporter left on stage and he says, and I will not, and the lights go out. Right. And nothing happens. Like there's like seven seconds of silence. And there's two types of audiences. There's one that laugh at it. And there's another type of audience who perhaps are a little more astute, who there's like four seconds of silence and they go, Oh yeah, there's <laughs> it's a, and dark. That's, that's how Lady Liberty song. Yeah, kind of in sadly too. Yeah. I mean, we don't give everything away. But, no, no. Well, you know, you'll but, have to but, come. But I mean, like, there's. Do you find this to be because, like we were saying, you know, there's so much going on, and when you really stop and think about it, it is scary and also just angry. It makes me mad. This, it, is it therapeutic? It's very cathartic. I will say, um, there's a song in the show that we asked the audience to sing. And oh yeah! It it it. <laughs> there are times when I will have tears streaming down my face, saying these two words to Trump. I liked. Well, that's funny you say that because when I heard this song, I was saying them to the other someone else. Yeah, and you guys say it in the song. Oh, we're, we we, we are going to talk about it because you know I ha- it has to be talked about because there's still a bit of a faction in the Democratic Party. So we're talking because like I was like, we're actually going to close the show out with that song, um, and it's sung by Hillary. Yes. Before you do it, before I even forget, let's talk about uh, how people can get tickets and stuff. Because um, when I was there on Tuesday last week, you know, it's a great dinner theater setting. It was a it was a packed house. I mean, and people were really into it. I don't know um, what your marketing campaign has been, but it's working. It's well, you know, we um, we're doing everything on the. I won't say on the cheap, but like we don't have a ton of money. We do. how did you guys get the West Bank? Like get this? Booking? I you know what. I I am not involved in any of that. Let it happen. So I will say that we're playing most Tuesdays between now and um, the midterm elections. So it'll be tomorrow night, um, or if you're listening to this another day, Mm -hmm. I'll just give you the dates. Tuesday the 7th, Tuesday the 14th of August, then Tuesday the 11th of September, the 18th of September, then Tuesday, October 16th, Tuesday, October 30th, and... Tuesday, November sixth. All shows are at seven. That's election day. That's election. We're going to do a show election Good. day. Oh, God. Um, and you can go to me thepeoplemusical dot com, mm-hmm. and there will be a link uh, for you to get tickets. And how we, much are tickets? Uh, they're like know. in the thirty dollar range. Okay, I, think. <laughs> uh, I should I should have written all this down. That's I okay, feel, but um, me the people musical me, me the people musical dot com. Um, and um, all the info will be there. And I do want to mention yes. the remarkable people that we're working with. Uh, Mia Weinberger, Aisha Dukes, uh, Vanessa Robinson, uh, Ashley Leone and Joe Marks. And and Jimmy Robertson is uh, making his Me The People debut tomorrow. Nice. Um, Break a leg. They're all remarkable artists. And as I said you know, earlier, it was such a joyful rehearsal process. Everyone, it's just a remarkable group of people that I really enjoy spending and you can tell they're having a lot of fun up there which is you know obviously whenever i direct shows i say listen if if you aren't having fun i promise you the audience is is not having fun radio free brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy education and free expression we rely primarily on donations from listeners like you so, if you'd like to support our mission so we can continue to bring you quality community radio, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. You can donate as little as a dollar, and every cent helps helps us to continue to stay on the air. So, please, 
please help support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. And remember, RFB is a 501c3 nonprofit, so your contribution is tax deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Again, that's RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Now, we've been talking to James Higgins, the arranger and musical director of Me, the People, Fire and Furia edition. And one of the songs performed by, in the show, Hillary Clinton is you'll hear we're going to close the show out with it but it addresses the um the abuse she took i think mm-hmm. I, she, I mean this woman has taken abuse since 19 really the 80s when she was the first lady of arkansas and oh, yeah. it's absolutely outrageous i and to this day it's funny because you know no one talked about john Kerry after the 20, 2004 election at least not him as a presidential guy they the, the election was over you know what i mean she's still getting shit on people Democrats are talking about how she, you know, isn't taking responsibility, blah, blah, blah. It's unbelievable. And the Bernie people who didn't like her because of her emails or Benghazi or I, I don't even know and can't just be like, oops. That's is, a, if they just said, you know, made a I mistake, mean, we live, we live in a country that is still deeply racist, is still deeply sexist, is still deeply homo and transphobic. Um, we don't appreciate people of color. We don't appreciate um, people um, of of differently gendered people. We don't appreciate the gays and the lesbians. We don't appreciate women. And do you think so? You think it was a woman thing? I, I think it had something to do with. it. I think that it had something to do with it. I mean, I think a lot of it too was um, that she was seen as as uh, sort of the uh, ultimate political insider. You know, I mean that you know she she was the establishment. And I mean, I, and I don't. You're right. She was seen that way. But what does that mean? Like when people, people, the Bernie people would talk about how she, you know, they Bernie. One of his huge things was free medi- Medicare for all and whatever. Hillary Clinton. I mean, just look in the history book. In 1992, she toured the country. Yep. Pushing and campaigning for what was called Hillary Care. It was yep. universal health care. She spent. I mean, she worked her ass off and was beaten down by Republicans because she was called a socialist. And now these Bernie people are saying she's too far to the right. What are you talking about? She knows what to say so that she can get stuff through. No, no, I... I like Bernie Sanders. I you do know? too. I as mean, a senator, politi- politically, politically, I'm very close to him. Uh, ooh, so. I like him too. But, I, I always loved him as a senator, and I still do. And, but I, I think the the fact that he truly, even after, I mean, like, yes, he he at the convention he said that you know, whatever. But it was seemed pretty begrudging. I mean, like Hillary Clinton with that long, which uh, her primary process with Barack Obama was harder fought closer a lot closer mm-hmm. and she was the presumptive nominee for like a whole year beforehand so it was probably crushing one day one day later she was out on the campaign trail for Absolutely. him and it was probably not fun or easy no but, probably was not but it didn't look totally against her will and no project. and then you know for her to have been a remarkable secretary of state and popular and popular i mean popular everywhere else but here well, popular here they as Secretary of State. Yeah. And when she was doing the job, people liked her. But when she was trying to get a job, people will pull up anything. People were blaming her for Bill Clinton cheating. Yeah. What is wrong with us? Is this the Twilight Zone? It is the Twilight Zone. So, anyway, yeah. so all of this is addressed in the following song. Right. Um, words to a, a popular CeeLo Green song from right. like 10 years ago. Um, it Sung is, by Hillary Clinton. Yes, it is not the radio-friendly version, That's and right. we're very proud of that. So remember, apathy is the enemy. I say it every week. I mean it more every week. More than anything, apathy is the enemy. Watch the news, read the newspaper, know what's going on, care about what's going on, 
take some action and maybe make a change. We've been talking to James Higgins, musical director and arranger of Me the People. Me the People Musical.com for tickets every Tuesday night until election day. Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming in, James. Thank you, Jonathan. And we're gonna play us out with it's go ahead. called Fuck You. And indeed. All right. <laughs> until next week, have a good night. <laughs>